Principal Matters Podcast, episode 310. Principal Matters listeners, this is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your school leadership. This week, I'm joined by my co-host, Jen Schwanke, as we talk about questions from principal listeners. Jen Schwanke is the, what are you, Jen? You're like an assistant (laughs) soup or deputy chief superintendent or something like that. I always forget what to call you, but Jen Schwanke is in Dublin, Ohio, as an education leader, the author of three great books for school leaders. And Jen, it's always so great to see you and talk to you. Uh, Please give Principal Matters listeners a quick update on what's going on with Jen Schwanke. Well, hi, everybody. And no offense taken with the title because, you know, every district does it a little bit differently. And so the title is is really a moot point when we're educational leaders because we're just out there doing what we can, right? And so school has started here in Ohio. We are starting week two and, or is it week three? You know, time starts to run together. Things are going really well. I think um, what I'm hearing, not just in my own district, but from my principal friends, across the country is there's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of things we're working through, but people are so glad to be back and they're glad to be back um, in in most cases, maskless and and moving forward from the challenges of the last few years. So I hope everyone's feeling that way and feeling a lot of hope as they start a new school year. It does feel good. And I know it's so weird, Jen, because we've had a lot of tension in our state um, around politics and funding for public education. We have some state races that have been really stressful. And so, you know, leaders are, are always those people who can carry like one burden while celebrating something else that's wonderful. And so it's so interesting that um, leaders are still carrying all kinds of craziness that they do in, in their positions, but that joy is, is uh, it's pretty tangible as I'm talking to leaders, just so excited to feel that sense of school almost like normal again. And I know right now someone's listening to us is like, Hey, we had to shut down school last week. Right. I read of a school. I read of a school in my state just this morning that I had to shut down for 30 teachers who had already had COVID in their small little community. So, so I know that, that, that those of you out there that might not be experiencing the easy start to school might not feel the same joy, but, but overall, I'm just hearing that over and over again from, from leaders, just the, the joy of having students back, of having teachers back, of having some sense of normalcy. And for leaders who started their careers like during the pandemic, this is a whole right. new <laughs> joy because they're like, I'm not having to quarantine or figure out all this, all these protocols and, and I can just do school leadership and all the other things that, that come with it now. So it is a joy. Um, Principal Matters listeners might also recognize that Jen's mic is a little different than normal. Normally, Jen and I um, use the same audio equipment, but she's on a new laptop today that doesn't have the right hookup. So Jen's voice is still wonderful, but I can tell a difference, Jen. So if any listeners out there care at all about audio, they'll be like, hey, Jen sounds like she's in a little different spot today. And it's because she is. And every principal though will will relate. You get a new computer and the you know the the equipment you had before doesn't fit in the same spots where it was supposed to, and there's that moment of panic. So at least it happened when I can lean close to my computer and do my best rather than in front of a presentation where I don't have the right dongle or something. So I will repair it by the time Will and I talk again. <laughs> we'll get this fixed. 
Well, I'm hoping they get to listen to a couple of episodes. If I can capture you for two today, we'll see how far we get in this conversation. But, but the um, the first question that we've had that's come in from an administrator is from a a, a principal whose name um, I've had permission to share. Teresa Brown, Director of Student Support at the Academy for Advanced and Creative Learning in Colorado Springs, Colorado. She wrote us. And the title of her email was Administrators Doing Double Duty as Teachers. And and I'm just going to read what she said, Jen. She said, I was listening to your podcast this morning, and I cried a good part of my drive to school today. My director, principal, and I will very likely be in the classrooms full day this year due to the fact that we are short, multiple teachers, and cloning hasn't been invented yet. We are short three classroom positions a specials position and a special ed position. We are overwhelmed and sad, but happy for the opportunity to create community and connect with kids. I thought I would email and ask you, what do you suggest that we do about this office with a window job of coaching teachers and discipline and attendance follow-up and family and team meetings and all the other things that we aren't going to be able to handle while we're with kids each day? And I guess I'm looking for some both encouragement and advice. What would you, um, what would you do um, what would you ask for? How would you pre- uh, reprioritize the things that we do beyond the kids first? Thanks for being willing uh, to share your expertise. Well, well, first of all, I just want to say to Teresa Brown, if you're listening, um, Teresa, hearts go out to you because we know that you're not alone. There are schools all over the U.S. This morning, Jen, I was reading a piece, uh, a, a White House press release that came out either yesterday or today, um, and um, or they're announcing uh new ideas from the Department of Labor. They're announcing ideas on some new grants available, just trying to figure out solutions to teacher shortages. So I know that Teresa is not alone, but if you were sitting down with Teresa and having this conversation, Jen, what kind of feedback would you give her? Well, first I, I can sense the frustration and the despair in, in her words. And I never like to hear that a principal cried the entire way to work. Um, but I, but I would too, (laughs) I would have too, if I thought, you know, I'm hired to be a principal, I'm hired to lead the building and make instructional decisions. And I'm going to be in a classroom all day, every day. You know, I, I can't help, but, but use that worn out phrase thinking outside the box. I just wonder if there's any seismic changes that she could make to her day, her school, her approach. And, and, um, you know, I, I think your ideas, Will, were a little bit less radical, but we'll, we'll start off with mine. Um, you know, I believe this listener's in a charter school or a private school, which might gives her, give her a bit more latitude in solving the problem than, than someone in a public school. But, you know, I just wondered if there was a way to adjust time for teachers or staff, um, shorten the day, flex time, comp time, sh- shutting down one, one afternoon a week to have meetings. Um, I know those things at first sound impossible, but I'm reminded of a, of a friend of mine who's a principal in Michigan, and, and she last year, they had a real problem, not with teachers, but with bus drivers. And what they had to do was they had to um, shorten the day and stagger the bus release, and it worked. And the community was was inconvenienced for sure. But what happened is word got out, hey, they're desperate for, for some staff members. And actually applicants applications went up, which was surprising, but wow. what kind of a, a, a un, unexpected, unintended, but very welcome outcome. 
And so to that end, I wonder too about the recruitment of community members, not only by making a radical change to the district or, or excuse me, to the day, but community members um, recruiting parents who may be able to work in the office. Um, I, I personally learned that lesson once when my district needed some paraprofessionals and some crossing guards. And I looked around and I saw parent volunteers who were, who, who were at the school a lot, liked being there, were qualified by the standards of our state at the time. And I said, hey, you're here anyway. You want to make a few bucks? <laughs> and that helped me get through a, a kind of a crisis time in hiring. So I wonder, too, if the recruitment efforts might look different than, than this uh, listener initially thinks. So I think it's all in communication. If you make a change like that, it's in communication to staff to and families and communities about the why and ensuring that the educational progression of a child doesn't get interrupted, but just thinking differently about the day. Jen, that's so good. And I'm reminded of some words that um, a friend of ours, Jimmy Casas, a fellow education leader and author, he says the most, the foremost important words that a leader can say to their school is, I need your help. And I, he actually wrote that in a, in a post. And when I first read it, I, was, I had to pause and think, are those really the four most important words a leader can say? And then I, had to, I chewed on it for a while and I thought, you know, I think he's right. Because almost in every situation I've ever been in where I feel so overwhelmed that it's paralyzing, it's when I would have the humility to say to my community, I need your help, that we began to find solutions. And so what I really like about your idea of thinking outside the box is that there may be solutions with adjusted days. There may be some ideas of things that you could do by recruiting parents or community members. There may be some things that could happen that could be creative ways and innovative ways to adjust your schedule, but it will only happen within the context of sharing that need with the community that you're serving because because they're the ones that are going to actually be the ones who can make it help help make it happen. And so my feedback, um, just which is going to be very similar to your Jen, would, would be, you know, Teresa, if you're listening or anyone else who's listening to this conversation, don't be afraid to pull together with the circle of the people who you trust and invite others into that conversation who might be able to help make a difference too. And admit, this is where we are. Can we brainstorm ideas together based on the tasks that we have right in front of us? And just that, I, just that practice of brainstorming can often lead to such great solutions. I probably have told this story to you, Jen, and I probably told it a half a dozen times to the audience, but I'm just going to tell it again. But the year that I was transitioning from assistant to principal, my principal was retiring and she told me right before school was out, well, I'm going to show up for graduation. But other than that, you're on your own because I've, I'm going to use all my sick days and all my other days. And so you get to close out the school and hire your replacement. And it wasn't like any of that wasn't said vindictively. It was just this, she was just letting me know this is where we're heading. And she felt like I was ready. And I did not feel like I was ready. I was like, you got to be joking that because I'd already been placed into her position for the coming year, but, but to replace my position, close out the year without her, do all the tasks that I normally did. And now the, norm, the tasks that she would do as the head principal, but it was probably the best gift she could have given me because it pushed, it forced me to suddenly be so overwhelmed that the first thing I had to do was sit down with the staff and say, I need your help. And together we came up with the plans, the procedures, the lists, the ideas, the shared loads, all the things that would, that needed to happen for us to get through that little season of stress that I was experiencing. 
And so, Jen, I think that um, your feedback is just so wise. And I don't know if that's helpful, Teresa, if you're listening to this or anyone else, but anytime you're facing those moments where you're no longer capable of having the resources or the people that you need in situations, um, there may not be a quick fix, but there certainly is going to be power in in connect in collaborating together for a solution. Well, and I agree with that. I think that, you know, we all think individually that we have all the ideas, right? But we don't. And every time you add a human being to the conversation, you add a bunch of ideas to the solution. And when I think about Teresa, I think about what she's doing is exactly what she should do. You know, a class needs covered. I got to go in there and cover the class. Mm -hmm. But that solution was only ever intended for principals for short spurts. You know, a teacher has a dentist appointment or a teacher gets ill and needs to go home. And many principals are faced with this exact same question Teresa asks here. Because we do have a shortage of teachers, many principals are, are saying, you know, I'm in a class half a day. I'm in a class all week. How can I do that and do my other job? And so what I would encourage Teresa to say to her small group of trusted colleagues is, we have a solution. That's me going into this classroom. That's not a viable solution. For one thing, I can't cry all the entire way to work every day. That's not a solution. And secondly, I have a job to do. And so principal coverage, again, it's meant for emergencies. It's not meant to get us through a school year. And so what can we do? Let's let's look for a Hail Mary here, something that nobody's thought of, some long pass down a hundred yard line to get us a score. What, what is it that we can do? And so it might be recruiting. It might be adjusting the day. It might be reaching out in, in other ways to community and parents. Um, honestly, it might be combining classes. So you have one teacher of record um, delivering the, or excuse me, planning the content and you have aides supporting the delivery. It might mean release times. So um, say your, your English teachers, um, they have less to grade, but they have more to teach. Um, it, it might be using special education services in a different way. But I like what you said, Will, about getting people together, because if people understand the problem well, then, and, and they understand the path toward the solution, they're more likely to get to the solution. And so if I may, I'll just give an example of how not to do it. How not to do it would be to get the group, trusted group together to come to solutions, have a staff meeting and say, okay, everybody, here's what the extra work you have to do. It's not that. It's getting them together and saying, okay, we have a problem. The current solution is not sustainable. What are some ways we can get there? Take all ideas and then start to listen to people say, oh, I could do that part. Or, you know who I think might be able to help us with that? Let's give them a call. Yeah. So, you know, to it, it takes a little longer, but it, it gets people to where, to that place with a, with a culture of we're in this together and we don't want our principal to go down with the ship. We, we, want, we need our principal to be here leading us, not teaching how to invert fractions. That's what we need. Well, Jen, I know that there's probably other listeners out there right now too, who have, are just, like we are, they're sitting here brainstorming ideas, or maybe there's someone listening who's actually been through this, who's facing something similar to this as well. I, I do want to celebrate Principal Matters listeners, Jen, because this month um, we've topped 800,000 downloads. For, I know, it's so uh, now that's 
that's that's an all-time record. Uh, we're in, so so. Thank you, Principal Matters listeners. We that when I checked earlier this week, uh, we had had an all-time downloads of eight hundred and three thousand seven hundred and forty-nine. And so, when I think about the number of 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 principals listening in to these shows, that means that there's a lot of other ideas out there. And so, you feel free to reach out to Jen or to me um, if you want to email me at William D Parker at uh, I'm forgetting my email address, Jen. I know. I can if you want to email me at <laughs> if you want to email me at Will, if you want to email me at Will at WilliamDParker.com, then please shoot me some ideas, and I would be glad to share those as well, or connect you with Teresa Brown in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. So, Teresa, thank you so much for that question. Jen, any other responses before I jump into question two? Nope, I think we covered it. And, and best wishes, wishes to Teresa. Do not cry on the way to work every day. That's not healthy. A question two comes from um, Alex Short, who leads a Catholic school in DeSoto, Missouri. And he wrote, he's a brand new principal. He said, I heard your two podcast episodes for first year principals. And that is me. You discussed reading Dr. Wong's book yearly. And I love that book. And that is the driving that is driving my school PD for this year. Our school is in a major need for setting new procedures and classroom management uh, skills. Just I'm just curious, any other tips or advice you have about using Dr. Wong's material? What were what are key procedures you established? I'm trying to develop a vision for our school. So any help would go along with that as well. And so, Jen, uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to Alex for sending us that question. Um, and I'll go first. Um, you know, Dr. Um, Harry Wong's book, The First Years, is something that I mentioned in previous episodes that I would use as a new teacher. And I know it's dated. It's a book that's been around forever. And so if you read it, it's it's funny to look at the photos and to see the expectations that um, he was communicating when he wrote that book, probably in the 19, late 1980s. But I can tell you this, that the processes and procedures that he encourages teachers to consider thinking through before kids come into classrooms was not only helpful for me as a teacher, but it was helpful for me as a principal because I began to look at my school from that perspective of what are the processes and procedures school-wide that I need to think through before kids ever step in this building, before my teachers ever step in this building, and then how am I responsible as the school-wide leader, instructional leader, to set up my school to have expected procedures and processes that are communicated on the front end, practiced by us all, and then enforced with accountability because they've already been communicated. And so, um, so Alex, when I re when I was referencing Dr. Wong's book, obviously you could use that same material for your classroom teachers, but but I would first apply that to myself because the way you model those things is going to be important for your teachers to have a sense of how are you modeling the things that you're wanting to see them doing within their own classrooms? So if, if you're thinking about um, using his book as material for ongoing professional development with your own staff, obviously you could develop staff development or professional development based on his concepts and work. And, and there's a lot of his work that's still available online. I'm not sure if Dr. Wong presents any longer, but one suggestion would just be asking, um, providing your staff with, with those resources and, and asking them to do some ongoing professional development um, themselves. Uh, Jen, I, I know you've you've done some professional development with your teachers too, where you ask them to participate in sharing their best practices. And so one of my suggestions would be that you think about not necessarily 
you leveraging to your teachers, this is the way I want your classrooms to run, but pulling your teachers together so that collaboratively you can share best practices and folks can begin to share what's working in their classrooms, allowing time for feedback for exceptional or experienced staff to share with other staff, um, allowing teachers to, to, to shadow one another. And if you, if you have teachers with experience thinking about um, letting them share with other teachers, or if your staff is inexperienced, thinking about taking a day where you could take your staff to another school that has strong processes and allowing them to, to shadow teachers in another place um, you know, changes um, school-wide take time and it takes time for buy-in and it's worth doing that as a team rather than just as a top-down. So that, that's where I would start, Jen, with that response. What would you add to that? Well, I was, I was pleased to see this question. I read Dr. Wong's book in 1998 and I have not read it since. So I'm glad it's still a cornerstone of the way many people prepare for a school year. And I think this, this question for principals is tricky because some, you know, some people listening have a staff of 10 and some people listening have a staff of 200 and corresponding number of students. And so it's really hard to think in a, in, with one lens about how to prepare for a school year. And um, I, I agree with you, Will. I think, you know, this, this would be a good, a good tool for teachers, but also for principals. And when I think about preparing for a school year, I always chuckle at a big misstep I made where, um, and, and this isn't necessarily about preparing for a school year, but it was about preparing for, for something that was coming. And it was about fire drills. Um, we had fire drills and every, you know, it's kind of least, it wasn't so much of a hassle if I had them every day at 10, right? And then I thought, okay, we better have it at two. So I had 10 at two, didn't interrupt lunch, didn't interrupt recess or specials or anything. Well, somebody said to me, boy, you, you should have a fire drill during lunch, right? And I said, oh, that, no, of course not, it's fine. Well, guess what? One day the circuit breaker blew and the motor on the oven went out during lunch and we had to have a fire drill during lunch. And boy, did I wish I had planned for that. Mm -hmm. And so my, my takeaway in the context of this conversation for Alex is, you know, don't just plan for best case scenario, plan for some of those bumps in the road, plan for what you're going to do with behaviors, with um, instruction. And of course, I'm not saying plan for every scenario. I'm saying, you know, don't just um, plan as though everything's going to go well. Have those, have people that you can pull if you need, rely on, if you're so blessed to have instructional coaches or behavioral experts, rely on those folks to, to, um, to be there if you need them. Again, you're not planning for every single scenario, but you're planning who you can reach out to if needed and who your first phone call is. And you're planning who your experts are to help lead PD and support your teachers. I love that. And, and Jen, I'm going to lean on you a little bit here too, because I've appreciated some of the lessons that you've shared with me in the past and you share in some of your books too about creating professional development that actually works for your teachers. And can you talk about that for a minute? Just the ways that you've leveraged the, the expertise of your own staff to help guide other staff. Right. I, I believe in that more than almost anything. I cannot be the one who knows everything. I don't know everything. As a matter of fact, I, I, I know a lot, excuse me, a little about a lot of things. And so I, you know, I have before when I was a principal, I had entire years where I never presented PD. 
I had, I asked staff for topics. I asked them what they needed to know. And it wasn't necessarily about pedagogy related to instruction. It could be about behaviors. It could be about resource management. It could be about communication with parents, troubleshooting, tech. I asked, what do you want to know? And then I asked, hey, who's an expert in this area? I didn't identify those experts. I asked the, the people who self-identified as experts. And then I would say to them, hey, do you mind giving us 20 minutes, 30 minutes of your time? You know, I'll, I'll um, release you for to plan whatever you need to share with the staff. And then I found that I had so much teacher buy-in because it was their colleagues presenting it and they knew this person was an expert in it. And guess what? There I was in the center of the, of the staff watching, listening and learning too. And you always take away something new every time, not only as principal, but as, as the leader of a building. Thank you, Jen. The, the second part of Alex's question was, I'm trying to develop a vision for our school. So any help with that would go a long way as well. And boy, that's a loaded question. Right. Because anytime you're trying to establish vision for your school, you're trying to, to come together for a shared mission statement, any of those things, I... I and so this is one of those questions that um, there are lots of resources on how to create visions and, and mission statements. And there's great organizations out there that, that help schools do this as well. But I'll just say a few things, Jen, and then feel free to add to it. But if you're going to begin trying to develop a shared vision that might also come into a mission statement or might somehow change the, um, the value statements of your school, this, this has to begin with first with conversation. It, it cannot be a situation where you come in with an idea of a statement that you want everybody to adopt. This is what I've come up with. I want you guys to all adopt it. And now let's move forward. Unless you just simply want to like adopt a motto for the year. But if you're really thinking about the, the shared vision that your community, the values that you guys hold together, that's going to be the driving force of what you do as a school, then you need to talk to all stakeholders. And by all stakeholders, that means that you have to schedule and prioritize meetings throughout an entire school year with everyone who's a part of your school community. That means groups of students, with your teachers, with parents from the community, with those who are supporters of your school who may not even be parents, but they are a vibrant part of that community. And so listening to all of the people who have invested a vested interest in your school, listening to them and trying to find common threads of consensus among them of what are the common words, phrases, initiatives, ideas, and values that we share. And then once you've done that really good listening, then you can begin to, from that to develop together a shared goal and vision. And, and Jen, I believe it was in your book, The Principal Reboot, that you talk a little bit about this as well, of, of helping kind of restart conversations on vision. So what, what would you like to add to that? I, I think about a friend of mine who said last year, a principal friend, uh, you know, I need a vision statement. I got to do that. And I said, do you know what you're saying? <laughs> because it is a big job. It cannot be done in isolation. I'm just repeating what you just said, mm -hmm. Will, but it can't be emphasized enough that, that a vision, um, a mission, can, mission statement can't come out of one office. And so, yes, I did talk about it in the principal reboot. And I think I, I mentioned there um, what I really believe. And again, repeating what you just said, it, it needs to be all your stakeholders and it needs to be people who are forward thinking and have evolved with the times with education, um, you know, to, to rely on people who are deeply entrenched in what worked in 1988 
that's not your team. Those aren't your people. And, and I'm not saying that someone who started teaching in 1988 can't be part of your team. It has to be someone who, who can think like a child in 2022 thinks, think like a parent in 2022 needs to think and, and use those innovators and those people who are really excited to um, lead your school into the future. Bring them together, ask them questions, listen, 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 and you know, put out surveys, look through the data. I think the, the tendency is to hurry. I've got to hurry, I've got to get my vision and I've got to publicize it. I think it's just as powerful to take months and say, we're working on a vision. Advertise that so that people know that you're taking care with it and that you're hearing all voices and that when it comes out, it will be right. So that the next person doesn't have to, the, the person who takes over for you doesn't have to dismantle your legacy by changing the vision. It, it should hold up. Well, and I'll, I'll add to that, Jen, from your own story, because I remember when um, I read the principal reboot, you talked in there about how reinvigorating it was for your community to revisit those ideas and values and conversations. Because for me, honestly, when I first read those questions and I think about that, I, I feel exhausted because <laughs> I've been through those processes of how long it takes to to reach consensus. But you you actually found it to be something that reignited a little bit of passion for your staff. And for me too, I think I told the story in the book that when, when we went down this route and we were going to come out of it with a, with a motto, kind of a, a catchphrase. And I didn't, I didn't like the one that the, the ideas, I thought that this isn't going to work. Well, then my whole community loved them. And it was a, it was a landslide in the final decision, the final vote. And it was exciting for me to be able to say, you know what? I wasn't thinking like my stakeholders are thinking okay, I'm on board. Let's go down this route. And it was so exciting for me. It was humbling. Um, it proved to me that I, I didn't know how everybody was thinking about our school. And I'm just one voice in, in a lot of voices that need to be heard. And it was, it was great fun. Well, I want to say a special thank you to Alex Short from St. Rose of Lima Catholic Church School in DeSoto, Missouri, as well as to Teresa Brown, the Director of Student Support in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And Jen, thank you for just taking time to jump into this conversation this week and answer listener questions. And I just want to do a quick shout out on Jen's new book, The Teacher's Principal. Jen, how can people get a hold of your book? Yeah, they can get it on ASCD or Amazon. Um, it's selling It's selling pretty well. I think that people um, want to think about how to motivate their teachers and how to support their teachers. So I'm glad it's getting in the hands of, of folks and, and they can always find me at jenschwonky.com too. Awesome. Well, principal managers, listeners, thank you so much for taking time to listen this week and we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. And thank you for doing what matters. We'll see you soon. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.